0: What <laughs> are we you will check it out. A whole new generation of young people today who belong nowhere. But I prefer to be now cast. Third culture kids where the concept of the Dukan is the, the corner shop where the town oh, We are live outside. Hey, yo, what's up, people? What up, nation? It's the revolution of expression. Arab digital generation is shaping our identity, their creative expression, and their future so Please give a very warm welcome.
1: Welcome to your tribe.
0: To take it off, I feel like it's just one of those things because we—I feel like I know you really well uh, so far from just doing the Ramadan workout sessions together. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And like being flagged as Jafar's sister, which by the way, I feel like I need to have words with Jafar because like, I think I've seen your younger sister make appearances on his Instagram, but I haven't seen you make as many appearances. So to be That's fair, quite
2: true.
0: you know, I'd like to, to, to introduce you to the world the right way. <laughs> so it just tells like, okay, so yeah, who are you, Rania? What do you do? What's your story?
2: Um just to touch back on why you don't see me much on on Instagram it's because I'm his middle I'm Jafar's middle sister essentially and I 100% have middle child syndrome okay ah. I own it I embrace <laughs> it I love it <laughs> I do tend to be camera shy so it's not like it's not something that I'm really, you know, gung ho about as they say Uh, and that's another reason why you don't see me on his Instagram a whole lot, but so other than me being a middle child, really, um, I'm a therapist by trade and I, I love what I do and I love, I love the work, um, that I do with my clients and with the people that I help out. And I'm an active community member here in Halifax. And, and so that's, that's kind of what feeds my soul and, and, really a lot of my identity is tied to the things that I do within the community and the contributions that I um, that I provide and I just hope that I'm doing what's right for everyone and and that's that's me in a nutshell and of course I <laughs> um, as you may have read in my little bio I have an affinity for Latin cultures and so salsa dancing is a pretty
1: big deal <laughs> in my life is there (laughs) a big salsa community so when I like I love like I am a big fan of Latin culture as well and I don't know if Arab culture and Latin culture I find so many of my friends do love the Latin there's so many like bridges that sort of happen but is there a big um, community of salseros and salseras in Halifax or is it just like you and your friends
2: no, I wouldn't say it's big. There is a community. It's just not that big. Like, it's quite small. So you would see the same faces at every event. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have and you, we do have a community of like Ecuadorians and Brazilians who have learned salsa and engaged in, in salsa. and And so the Latin community is small, but it is present. So, yeah.
0: That's pretty cool. Like I've been, I've been dabbling with it for quite a while, and I think the longest I've lasted was because I found somebody to go with, and I've been dragging Reem to classes <laughs> with me. Like Reem's a pro, right? Reem Reem's one of those people that go like, you know what? I'm okay, and like she'll downplay it, like she's not, she doesn't know what she's doing, but like she's she's got it down to a science, like she's got this I believe
2: you OT because people usually (laughs) downplay their skills and their you know talents and they're like oh like I'm just all right and then it's like it's kind of like Jaffa trying out for the Avengers every single
0: workout you
1: know exactly exactly
0: you know and he pretends like he doesn't know what he's doing
1: In Toronto, there was a very lively, like, uh, you know, like salsa community and you really couldn't dance if you didn't pick it up fast. Like it was very intimidating to go to a lot of places. And that's why it's nice to kind of start to learn in places like Halifax, where there's a present community that understands that some people are new and some people are whatever. But if you're consistent, you'll you'll learn. So Toronto had some cutthroat moments. So you had to get good really fast or else there was no, you know, you weren't going to dance.
2: So so we do have this um, this girl who lives here and she's from Cuba and she used to be a professional salsa dancer. And so whenever she takes the floor, everyone kind of steps back a little and it's like, okay,
0: Mm. (laughs) all right.
2: Do you do you (laughs) have at it? (laughs) <laughs> and that's that's intimidating, you know. And it's uh, you know just because she is a professional,
1: and so yeah, yeah. I, I, a, I but the love is there. It. The love is yeah. there. The passion is there. And I think that's really. And it's nice to hear that you seem to live a very well rounded life. You seem to have like a. I don't know. It's from what I'm hearing, this great work life balance. Does that exist in the world as a therapist, or not really? So, in it
2: to be honest with you, just because my job is quite emotionally taxing, right it's uh you're consistently absorbing all of those um negative emotions. Nobody goes to see a therapist because they're having a lovely day. It's always you know so it's like you're sitting there and you're absorbing all the trauma that people have experienced, the trauma that people are living with um so it it's you really, really have to be firm with your boundaries in terms of checking it at the door. Um, And I'll be honest, uh, it's not always easy. Um, So at times it is it is a challenge and 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 you will as a therapist experience those dips. And I think I think as any human being who's just listening to people's sufferings you will absorb some part of it and um essentially um kind of reflect on the privileges that you have as a human being as a person who has employment as a person who is able bodied as a person who's all these things and so and so it it does get difficult and I do try my best to kind of like okay like this is me time this is time to like Enjoy my life, enjoy myself, enjoy, you know, and and I will accept um when I'm not feeling so good, I will allow myself to kind of which is which is rooted in therapy as well, like in acceptance yes. and commitment mm. therapy. And so allowing for for those emotions and just to experience those emotions, it's kind of um so yeah, long story short is it's not always easy to check it at the door, <laughs> yeah. but I do my best. It's it's an everyday practice kind of a thing.
0: Oh my God, I bet. And, and so salsa and dancing is just the, one of the ways to do it or how how do you how do you cope and how do you deal with the uh, emotions?
2: Um, so it really, really depends. It was challenging. Well, it still is challenging with COVID and winter because like we also have to remember where we live and it's a place that doesn't get a lot of sunshine during the winter months and we get a lot of snow and it's cold weather, which means people are not as social. I'm a people's people. Person, So I like being out there. I like talking to people. I like engaging others. Um, And so in the winter time where people are not in the mood because of the winter blues or what have you, it becomes a little more challenging. So you have to like purposely find things to kind of engage in, whether it's whether it's like a salsa night or the movie theater, but you really have to kind of be purposeful in your actions. In the summertime, Mm -hmm. it gets a little bit easier, but with COVID, that kind of dampened things a little bit. And so where you could just typically go and have a walk at the waterfront, it wasn't a thing in the last few months, right? So you couldn't just go and just unload and and just give it to the ocean throw your sorrows and your burdens to the ocean and that that wasn't happening um but again it's it's that reminder where it's like okay like this is the time where we have to really engage in radical acceptance where it is what it is it's a pandemic it's it's happening and so we did our best.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk a little more about radical acceptance because yes. um I, you live in Halifax but we are living in Dubai and what we find and we you know the work that we do on the Dokan show is sort of a portal to the rest of the Arab world. And what, and and I'm sure you kind of straddle both worlds, know you know being an Arab yourself, but one of the things that we uh, I tend to find is that we resist, you know, Because we have been put as generationally or even in this moment during COVID under unimaginable uh, circumstances and unimaginable stress. um, How do we actually practice radical acceptance and what is the core of this idea and does it save the Arab world? Does it save Uh,
0: And and what is radical acceptance? I think... So, so radical
2: acceptance is literally what it is. It's like you're accepting yep. things that you have no control over. You you are kind of coming to terms with the fact that it is what it is. And I find that it's something it's a skill, meaning it's something that you have to work at. It doesn't come naturally. It doesn't it's not a one-time thing. And and I know As a therapist, like I I know all too well that people often want a quick fix, right? So they're looking for that magic pill, that magic wand where it's like, just, just make it happen. It, it doesn't just happen. Radical acceptance is something that you're going to have to work at every single day. Um, whether it's a few moments a day to to longer than that, it's entirely up to you. But if you don't practice it where it's like, okay, I'm accepting it. And a part of it is allowing for your feelings um, to be present. So yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm feeling a little kind of under the weather, um, or I'm anxious, or I'm depressed. Typically, people have been taught to resist the thought. With acceptance and commitment therapy, it's it's saying don't resist it, make um. space for it, allow it to be, and accept the fact that it's there. Um, accept the fact that there isn't much that you can do about COVID, for example. It it is there. We're not gonna will it away, right? And so, and so you make space for those feelings that you have, whether they're anger or frustrations or whatever. But in saying that as well, you kind of have to split the difference because it can be consuming to just sit in your, in yeah. your feelings, to be in your feelings, as they say. So you kind of would split the difference and say, okay, so I'm going to allow myself to feel X, Y, and Z for the next 30 minutes to an hour. After that, I'm going to like experience the thoughts and just take a step back from the thoughts. I want to, I want to see my thoughts. Like, so it's like, it almost, it becomes like a train and you're just seeing all these emotions and you're, um, essentially a witness to these feelings and those emotions. And you're more of a scientist than you are the person experiencing the thoughts and, And so you distance yourself from those emotions, um, which is cognitive diffusion. You kind of like take a step back and you're like, okay, let me watch it from a distance and not be caught up in it. Um, And so these are two um, concepts that are really pivotal um, to acceptance and commitment therapy really. Um, and, and, and again, like, it's not something that you're going to be able to master on the first try. You might have to work on the, on accepting your feelings and then working your way up to distancing yourself from them. But initially Mm -hmm. it's, it's that practice. It's that allowance. Okay. I'm anxious. I'm not fighting it. I'm embracing it my heart rate is elevated. My palms are sweaty. Um, I'm feeling a bit thirsty. Pay attention to like your physical cues that are, that are just there. What, what are you being present in the moment is another big thing um, for act. And and I find people don't do enough of that. We live in the world of autopilot. Everything is like, Right. And so it's like we're constantly like doing things and we're not even present. We're like somewhere else. And. And that's that's not healthy.
1: Definitely. And I but I I wonder about so I wonder about the the and this is probably not the popular opinion, but I wonder about. The, the effects of the world is in quarantine in different ways, whether mm-hmm. you've been able to return back to work or you've been able to, or you are still under, you know, um, a self-quarantine or a lockdown, depending on your country. Um, I, as we emerge from kind of the dust of <laughs> of what is happening, you know, to this new world, um, that doesn't allow for us to have human contact the way that we do. So a hug now is this very charged statement of some sort or very dangerous statement of some sort in some ways. Um, Are you finding through your clients or through what you're seeing that the world is changing in that way? Or are we intrinsically just the same?
2: No, I definitely think we're changing quite drastically as well. And I think people are experiencing a lot of anxieties to this Post COVID era, where it's like people are now uh, worrying about taking the bus, worrying about people even looking at them. Like, I know, I know when I'm at the supermarket, people look away. It's like you're not going to catch it by sight. Right. So, I like seriously. (laughs) And so I feel that um, people are becoming very irrational, which is you know, typical anxiety. It it is an irrational fear. And, and, and to be frank, I'm, I am a bit worried about how people will work towards their healing and if they're going to want to work towards that. Um, Mm -hmm. I know in Halifax right now they've allowed for people to what they call as double bubble where it's like you identify a family and then you become like mutually exclusive and then you're, you know, these are the people that you can hang out with. But many people are also still not comfortable doing that um, mm. because of their heightened anxieties. And mm-hmm. it's not going to go away. Like, I know that I know for a fact that when once whatever pandemic is officially over, people are not going to go back to normal life. Like, there's going to be a lot of residual um
1: Anxiety, That's stress, exactly, and exactly. you probably Definitely. were employed and now you're unemployed and your Correct. life plan and your life roadmap and divorces and domestic abuse rates and all Correct. of these things are starting to like overwhelm, you know, the yeah. world. And I I, th- I wonder about if we never return back, which is okay. I think radical acceptance would mean, all right, we're not returning back. That February 2, 2020 is long gone <laughs> in the history yes. of time. And now we're moving forward. How do we tackle moving forward in a new world as a society? Because I think individually, we are going to have these anxieties. But eventually, you got to take the bus because you've got to go to work. You've got to take the metro because you've got to get a job. So or you've got to get in your car and interact with a gas station attendant. Eventually. So this
2: is so. where the commitment comes in, right? From from act for example. Like it is it is something where you're going to have to commit to wanting to do better, be better, live better, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not just like accepting life for what it is. You're an active participant in your own life. You're an active participant in leading where to where you want to be. And um and this is This is where the hard work is going to begin because you're going to want to slip back into like, well, I'm not doing it. I'm not comfortable doing it. Well, guess what? This is where it's like you say, okay, you can be uncomfortable for the next 30 minutes, but then you have to plan of how to go back to doing things safely because you can yeah. still participate in life. You can still live life in a safe manner. And it's like, here's how we're doing it. Uh, whether you're taking the bus, practice social distancing, if that makes yes. you feel better. Put on a mask if that makes you feel better. Carry your sanitizer, carry, you know, wear your gloves, whatever. Change your clothes. I know many of my coworkers, um, they change their clothes in the garages of their homes where it's like, work yes. clothes come out in the garage and then they go back into the house with clean clothes. And so there's always ways for people, like we have to be creative in how we're living the safest life for us. And so we can't always expect for things to magically happen or magically appear or magically resolve themselves. And I know, I know people struggle with that and they often want to say, here you go, you're the therapist, fix it.
1: And like, well, (laughs) yes, (laughs) well, you're going to fix it, not me. I'd love to fix it. (laughs) However,
2: I don't walk in your shoes every day. Yeah. So. So, it is a common theme.
0: Here's so here's so, the thing, because like oh, with radical accept, uh, uh, the the reason why I think we're we're gonna keep going back to radical acceptance, uh, because it's such a um, I think it's such a pivotal key point in this in this discussion, because like that sort of accepting that that chapter is closed, whatever you knew, the sense of complete yeah. acceptance that there is no way back, it's done now. That's not we're not going back there. Like there's that does not exist. Right, and I coming mean, to this, it
2: doesn't. However, you're still in control of like how you want to move forward. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah,
0: right, exactly. Yeah. So like, it's it's sort of the success. Like, I can't do that, but what all I could do now is have this conscious decision of how I'm progressing from this point on. Mm-hmm. Right, like I think come from a firsthand experience, and and I've shared this with with Reem many times before. But like, as a post kidney transplant patient, I've been through two kidney transplants. The first time. Around, I had, I was very young. I did not have the language skills, the vernacular, or the, I think, the intellect enough to understand this is what depression is, or this is what, you know, this Mm -hmm. hope for some magical shift, something that is like, there are days where, and during my first uh, surgery, was that like, no, 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 they're mistaken. Something's gonna figure itself out and it's all gonna work out. Right. That level of denial, like, uh, and it's not denial, but it's like this assumption there's something that's going to come out of thin air that's going to help solve this, right? Which right. is obviously not, not abnormal, real.
2: not abnormal. That's the typical, you know? like, yes, so that's, normal. The, that's the yes. normal response. That's the normal response, correct? Mm. Yeah,
0: right. But and like, obviously, now I know, like, and, and I think there's, and I think even. Even then, like we all know, that's not real. But there's some kind of sliver of hope of some sort of something. There is wrong somewhere that can actually turn that back around, right? Mm-hmm. And you kind of just mm-hmm. hope for that to exist or occur. And and I think that in a big way, that was a contributor to that depression, where mm-hmm. suddenly because that I, because I couldn't find that or that did not show itself or appear out of thin air, then. Now there's a sense of self-blame, the sense of, you know, blaming a higher power for why this is happening to me. And then this anger and rage against everybody around you for being normal. And it's like, Mm -hmm. why does this? And it it becomes a very dark path, right? And I think resisting this radical experience is where that tension is
2: correct right? like that like, creates a lot of internal turmoil as you have experienced yeah. and so that is like where you know a lot of like the lashing out and all these things and lack of understanding rather than had you accepted it at the time you're like okay like this is where we're at like this is how it would have been easier probably for you
0: yeah right and, at the, and and that was the case and like and that's why it lasted for months I mean this was for months like oh, like 6 7 months in but then the second time around 6 years later i came to i had my next surgery by then i just met reem and i already had a system in place of okay these are things i'm going to do this is how i'm going to keep busy these are books that i want to read these are computer games i want to play like i've already structured a life because right by then it's been 6 years of practice or <laughs> it's like oh, you know yeah, what exactly. we're here now like, it's done, right? All I could do is just figure out a system that I can make the most of it in this in this scenario. And that became sort of, and I think I didn't have a, and and like, again, like in this conversation, I didn't know what a radical acceptance is. Like, I didn't have that terminology or that language, but it was, by then it was just like, you know what? Like, Fuck it. I'm about to, I need to make the best of this, right? So how am I gonna do that? And then I created the system for myself where what I was in quarantine anyway because immunosuppressed. But mm-hmm. then like also it was like, okay, how do you how do I be in that space? And what are the things I need to do? And then it became like, okay, once I leave the house, what do I need to do for myself later? And I think it was just this firsthand experience now, as you're talking about it, where I'm like, oh, that's what it's called. Right, right, and this- you know
2: what's interesting, and and I think like it's incredibly insightful of you to kind of pick up that you you reached that on your own, and I think that many people with with um, like a healthy awareness to themselves and a healthy um, psychological well being and emotional well being will get to radical acceptance on their own without a therapist. It just mm-hmm. might take longer, um, yes. just like you said, because you didn't know, because you didn't have, like, it, it, the experience in itself kind of taught you and you kind of had to, like, muddle your way through to find it. But you reached it eventually anyway. Um, it would have been an issue had you not arrived at radical acceptance, I think, and and continued yeah. living um, in turmoil and, and yeah. you know, just...
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and it had to end um, and obviously like it had to end sooner than later at that time. Like, um and I think maybe what I would like to know now is like for those who are struggling with it today, like how can they reach there faster or sooner? Because we're as we were saying, like whatever this new normal is, it's not the way it used to be. People are having all their you know, we, you got to social distance, you got to wear a mask or change your clothes at the garage if that makes you feel better. Like mm-hmm. when I go to the, now when I go to the supermarkets, I do the same. Like, you know, as soon as I come home, I have a bag of clothes right behind the door that I'll change into and then I'll put, to put my old clothes in the bag, right? Like I started to right. create these exercises for myself as well. So, you know, in that practice, I would think that like, but because we've accepted it, right? So that's why we've adopted these new norms and these new behaviors. Right but those who haven't or are struggling with this radical acceptance, like how do they get there?
2: I think... I think it starts with um, being self-reflective and self-aware of your emotions because we're often fighting our emotions, right? And it's like, oh, like where you said that it's it's not fair. Why this? Why that? Why on my birthday? I know a lot of people are like, well, it's, it's, it's why on my birthday? It's graduation. Why my graduation? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, so, yeah. and so there is a lot of that. And I think the first thing to acknowledge is that, you know what? Let me take a step back. I am feeling very frustrated. I am anxious. Yes. I am gonna embrace those emotions. I am upset for the, th- the way things are. And I think up until you, you accept the way you're feeling, you're not going to get anywhere because you're going to have to like, you're constantly in that like, um, internal conflict with yourself. Well, why me F this shit, F that shit. Like, I am just going to do this and that and the other to, to change how I feel. Well, I'm going to go hang out with my, my buddies and my classmates because it's not fit. Okay, so let's accept where we're at. Let us sit here and allow for our emotions. I'm super angry and I'm super pissed off. I want to scream and yell into the pillow. People often feel that they still have to taper their emotions because it's inappropriate to express them. You can still express them in a safe manner. You want to yell at the top of your lungs? Sure. Put your head in a pillow and do it. It might make you feel better. You want to ball your eyes out? Go for it. Why not? It's frustrating. Embrace your feelings. Embrace your emotions. And I think that will kind of turn it around where it's like, okay, like I'm taking this hour to self-soothe. I am taking this hour to, to sit in my own sorrow and feel sorry for myself. It's okay. Mm. That is yeah. perfectly acceptable. But Absolutely. Then- don't let it take over your life. This is where it becomes, okay, moving forward, how do you plot your life? Right. And so, and so I think that's an important concept because people assume that, okay, so I screamed and I yelled and I'm still frustrated. Yeah
1: but Mm -hmm. then like it didn't fix it. It (laughs) It didn't
2: didn't fix fix COVID. It's still here. (laughs) It's still here. It just probably gave you, um, an outlet to release those feelings. Um, and that's what you kind of have to be aware. So be present and in the moment, this is where I want to be next year. So, and Mm -hmm. I know like and on, on, on a personal level, I know my mother, for example, she struggles with radical acceptance a lot, especially where mm. I'm in Canada and my sisters in California were yes. really far, right? So it's, it's an everyday conversation. Oh, when are, when, when our international borders opening? Right. And. And so, um, that's, that's one thing that's been happening. And so she's not really, um, sorry, I just have to put away my iPad. She's definitely not ready. And I think that that's <laughs> been, and that's been a, a constant struggle with her in terms of like accepting mm-hmm. her emotions. And, and to be honest, some people, they just don't want to, and I'm glad you touched on readiness because it's, It is that like readiness is very much needed um, to move forward. It's like, are you willing to do the work that's needed to change your emotions and your feelings in your life? If that makes
1: sense. So this Definitely. is. I think I'm so glad you said that because it makes complete sense. And part of the part of um, a, 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 one of the themes we've been dealing with very extensively uh, through all of the work that we do on the show, but also in our work in real life, is um, mental health and accessing mental health resources in the Arab world, because we still encounter so many people um, that feel that this is not something this is for crazy people like genuinely there's there's still this like backward mentality and i'm going to say it like it is backward this idea that
0: call it what it is
1: call it what it is right they think that it's you know that you know seeking a therapist is for crazy people and the truth is now more than ever when you're going to plan your post-covid life which is absolutely necessary you are not equipped, (laughs) like you are not equipped. So get some, get some power in there. You know what I mean? But how, as as an Arab woman, do you feel like you have encountered this in your life or by virtue of living in Halifax, this has not been something that you've had to deal with?
2: Oh my gosh. No, I think, I think help with, with anything that's mental health related is still highly stigmatized. It's more accepted really? okay. here, but it's still highly yeah. stigmatized where it's like, well, what are you trying to imply? I'm fine. I'm fine. And like, clearly yes. you're not fine. Clearly yeah. you're not doing well. So so there has to be a point, and especially where we come from, like religion is seen the, as that um therapy part exactly which in a way in a way there it's very similar because radical acceptance is there it's like oh it's god's will that is what radical acceptance is we're saying it's there it happened and people who are religious but i do think that people often forget that like you still have that power to change things on your own. And so seeing yes. somebody, um, to many people, they they just assume it's, it's a lack of ability on their own. And it's like, yeah, sure. But like, let's have that education. I think we're missing an educational piece. Um, mm-hmm. There more so than here, because here, I think there's more and more awareness that's happening, whether it's like mental health month, mental health week, whatever. Um, Now these are things that are being talked about at school and at work and it's seen as like normal. It's not seen as like, it's getting there. It's not there yet. It's still highly stigmatized, as I mentioned. And so collectively as a society, we're going to have to work and push through together in terms of like getting yeah. the word out there. And it is unfortunate because like you said, um, now people don't know how to cope and don't know how to mm. deal and how to move forward. And so if, yeah. if they just open up here mentally and and emotionally, it mm. might be a different story.
0: Yeah. And I think that like that, that's part of the concern because I mean, maybe the UAE and Dubai is uh, is a a lot more progressive than some of the countries yeah. in the region in the sense that part mm-hmm. of, you know, um, part of COVID testing and coping with COVID now, you hear the ads on radio, you hear, you see it on social media where they started hotlines and support lines and support groups for yes, mental health. That's right?
2: pretty awesome. And
0: before COVID, that was, that was not a conversation you see so publicly, No, no, Um, no, no. Now, COVID has triggered uh,
1: an open conversation in the UAE, which I'm so proud of, because we never had, but that came on the back of the happiness initiative in government and the mental health awareness in government. But when I speak about the Khalid or even the Arab world as a whole, we're really behind, and I think people are getting really badly hurt. Um, And that frustration of being unable to mobilize within communities and get the support that you need, um, this is something that I'm hoping we can find a way, uh, you know, find some more solutions that maybe we could implement. Uh, Rania, do you do any work abroad or is it very much inter-community work that you do?
2: No, I, okay, so funny you ask because I do have a few tele-clients in Dubai. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. No, I'm glad. Okay, so someone
1: someone can see, would would you be open to having any more clients or at the moment are you... No, I'm very,
2: okay, a part of it is, like, I'm very oriented to, you know, like, I have an anti-oppressive lens that I practice out of. And so, like, I do sincerely believe that, like, um, helping others is not an option. It's a duty. It's a moral obligation. Mm -hmm. And and so I'm quite open to speaking with people because the last thing I need is to hear is that someone is struggling and maybe they engaged in self-harm or they suicided or whatever. Um, Suicide is another thing that people don't talk about in, in the middle. And I find that very, um, you know, I get it. It's taboo. It's not okay, but it's taboo everywhere. Like suicide is not a comfortable conversation. Um, neither is mental health, neither is race, neither is poverty. Like, and if you want to cause, like, if you want to induce change, then you're going to have to start talking about things. And so,
1: yeah, and 100%. that's where it's at. And I think that and so,
0: I completely but, agree. And I think that, that
1: that's that's the key to building those bridges because I think that as well there is so much value in having somebody like you that people can access because you don't know anyone here, so they're not going to bump into you in and the exactly. Mall or you know, exactly. What I mean. so, <laughs> exactly, because there, there is that anxiety yeah. of what will the neighbors think? That's still very much a part of the Arab world, and you know what will the exactly. family think that you're going yeah. that you're crazy that you've gone crazy and gone yeah. to a therapist like genuinely. <laughs> (laughs) And you
2: know what? Like, it actually makes me sad because we don't have the same outlook going to the dentist or going to a massage therapist or going to um, the doctors, you know, and if you're going to the doctor, you're likely to be sick, but you don't think of it as what are the neighbors going to think of my illness? You just do it because you know that that's what's best for you. So Mm -hmm. why don't we treat invisible illnesses the same way? I don't
1: know. Uh, well, yeah. I think that I th- that's part and of our the other generational thing is that, responsibility.
0: Yeah. And like there, there's this other point that I I I, I think I see it and as a, as a Sudanese part of the conversation as well because like there are people um, that are trying to push for um, therapy and mental awareness within Sudan and as a Sudanese context. And they are fighting this uphill battle and shout out to them because... That is not easy. Mm. Um, And one of the things I've seen people always uh, flag or kind of point out as an issue is that, yeah, but that's for rich people.
1: Mm. It isn't accessible. That's true. It's quite prohibitive, the cost of therapy here. um, Exactly. I would have to say. Here's online resources. Like private practices
2: here do charge quite a bit of money. However, I think the difference is over here, like I, where I work, um, is community based. And so the services mm-hmm. are free for those who can't access them. And so, mm-hmm. and this is where like community building starts to happen, which I think like yeah. is an obligation. So I do like, I do urge therapists who are in the UAE to kind of like allow for pro bono work. And I know like a lot of people mm-hmm. do have, uh, health insurance as a part of, um, as a part of their employment. However, um, it's not always enough. So if they're covering, for example, I don't know, a thousand dirhams, that's not enough for brief therapy. Brief therapy is about six to 12 sessions, which I think is is pretty reasonable if, if 12 sessions can be covered, but not everyone's going to have that in their insurance plan. And so I do, like, I would urge, um, like people to be more active in, in building their own communities if they want a healthy community, um, which I'm sure people do. So,
0: yeah, I think that, yeah, Definitely. In, in, in the UAE, I think like, as we said, like now you have these hotlines because there's a the, mm. COVID kind of started that conversation and that is government funded and supported. But, you know, it's just, yeah, like places like Sudan or other countries in the Middle East where that, that's like a bit of a difficult, uh, or inaccessible uh, service, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and to be honest, pre-COVID, like I looked into um, going to therapy here a few times and it was cheaper for me to get it, um, what is it called, like um, teleconsultation, right? To get it online mm-hmm. as opposed to going to a therapist in Dubai because for the most part, at least 90% of insurance is not going to cover it for you, right? So then that is such that- a high margin that's going to come out of pocket. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and I think that dissuades a lot of people from seeking it. So it's always been one of those things like, okay, what are solutions or things around it? And I'm hoping now that it's come to the fore and, you know, government's leading that conversation that, okay, now we're going to start to see more, uh, community, uh, community based uh, therapy sessions that are accessible for everybody that people could actually just kind of tune into and be part of and get that, get the help they need. Cause it's not easy. And I think, this time is teaching us a lot because like I've been seeing and to what, and you know, I feel like we've spoken about this uh, in passing previously as well, but the idea that some people are locked with a predator at home.
1: Exactly. Ah,
0: Locked down and quarantine. And like, how do you, how do you deal with that? And where do you go? And who do you talk to? And like, you know, because you know, you're, yeah, you know, you're not stuck at home. You're safe at home is true when you're not with a predator then once you're like you know what do you do then and where do you go and like I feel like I'm I'm boggled by that thought like I, I don't even know how to process how to that. process like, it can yeah yeah
2: so it's it's definitely uh covid definitely created a lot of challenges in in that sense where it's like people use to escape from like abusive partners or abusive parents by going to school hanging out with friends and and just like finding their own safety outside of home where they have to spend mm-hmm. as little time as possible at home right and so covid comes along and it's like it it kiboshed the whole thing. And so um now we're we're seeing a lot of that. And where shelters are actually also struggling with taking people in because how do you practice yes. social distancing within uh, a shelter right so yes. this is it has proven to be a huge challenge however um if you're going to be like in in my opinion if you're living with somebody who could potentially seriously hurt you physically you might as well leave and take your chances with COVID because with COVID, you still know how to protect yourself in terms of like washing the hands or wearing a mask. However, with somebody who's physically abusive. So that's always like been my, my thing to tell to clients. It's like, nope, if it's not safe at home, you need to go to the shelter immediately. You need to go Mm -hmm. find a person take your chances with COVID better than taking your chances with somebody who's unhinged. Right. And Mm. so, and easier said than done. It takes the average abused woman seven tries to actually leave permanently.
0: Oh, wow. Women.
1: Oh yes. It's, it's a pretty big deal. And so it's, there's, it's, there's so God, much I intertwined did, in the relationship. And to yeah. be honest with you, it's a relationship that is um one of codependence by the time Correct. usually that you are in this abuse. Not only did I see it with my mother, I was in the situation myself, uh, obviously, because it's generational and you model it and you learn these things until you Correct. can get a therapist and, uh, you know, work your way out of it. And find the um, strength the tr- to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so the truth is that my mom tried to leave in many different countries at different times. To count the number of attempts, it would would probably send me into like some kind of bad space. But I know for mm. a number of times when she was in, in Iraq or when she was in Kuwait, she went to the police and they said, you know what, go home. Stop, stop being You know, they would not t- there, there. There wasn't that language then in the 80s of you know protecting her or the children uh you were your husband's and you had your husband would you know is is yours and you have to deal with that but in canada what was interesting and i and this is something that i will always carry with me uh was that she was protected and so when she did say that there was something uh that was happening and she called the police there was an opportunity for her to actually get separated from him of course, this creates another explosion and you Correct. are going to get retaliation on all of that. But at least there's a break from whatever that moment is. However, time and time and time again, you, you learn it in law school, you learn it in therapy, you learn it everywhere. They go back. And that's why in court. You're actually they will they will carry it through for her. If you call a domestic abuse situation, the court will carry it through because so many women pull their, pulled their pull their correct um, complaints back out of fear. This is who in, they live in, in Canada. The police can charge like once there's oh a yes. call.
2: It's no longer the woman's decision. It's the police's decision. Yeah. They will definitely charge um, the person who's who's mm. causing the domestic assault and abuse. Yeah yeah, which is and, which is and a good that's thing.
1: something as well. We do speak about women, but also there are men in abusive situations Correct. that are less likely as well to call, you know and and get help. But it is obviously numerically statistically. it is a lot of women, the domestic violence numbers exactly. have yeah. risen dramatically during the, during covid,
0: but you yeah know? I didn't I don't even know is on average it takes seven attempts before they completely
1: at least so in Canada, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, in the in Middle Canada East, too. it's a whole different yeah. ballgame. Oh, in the Middle East, it, like I
0: can't—I don't think I can even fathom because, like, out here, you know, if it's if it's the other way, if it's men being abused, there's this definite: what would people think? What would the neighbor think? So they're not even gonna—they're like, never acknowledging. It. Like, it, there's no right? acknowledgement. No, like no, yo, no. that in itself is a whole different ballgame. But then, you know, woman being in that space. It's kind of, you know, similar to what your mom went through in a lot of ways, where it's yeah. like y'all you know, just got home, or sometimes like the families you rely would get on involved. The other like men. even her Yes. Even like her like we we've seen this with a few cases people, and people in you are like or even her family would be like, Yo, no, you gotta get involved. You gotta come. Um and we're like, No, you gotta go back to your man. You guys gotta make this work. And like so her yes. not getting support from her fa- immediate family either. And like it's it's very tense uh situations out here. But like I can I can't even imagine if it's seven averages seven times in Canada, what would it be like <laughs> in the Middle East?
1: Well, I think that there's there, but that said, there are shelters here. You sorry, there is, there are avenues you can pursue here as a woman, if you would like, you you know, there is a divorce practice that is not heavily skewed one way or another. It is a fair practice here. However, you Mm -hmm. have to make that decision that you are going to leave, that this is no longer a place for you um, to grow and to be healthy. And, um, you know, I do encourage anybody who is in that situation to practice the radical acceptance that things would be better out there. Because right yeah. now, you might get you mm. might get severely damaged, yes. emotionally damaged, and killed possibly at home. So for go, sure. you know, it go go wherever it's safer. And that analysis is a very challenging analysis for a woman in a matter, you know, in a situation of battery. And
2: I um, think especially that- in the middle where it's like the family, like if because if, we always assume that your family is what's safe. If your family is mm-hmm. not safe, don't go there. Like, I, I yes. know it's like Going up against culture is um, it's equivalent to going up against a system. It's it's really yeah. challenging. It's difficult, and and we have to acknowledge mm. the the difficulties that that it, it presents with, right? So you're you're experiencing what an entire family is trying to convince you, like you're bringing ah. shame onto the family. You're affecting all of us. You're blah blah blah. You know all this stuff. So if yeah. family's not safe, the hell with them. Go somewhere else. They're still going to be your family, but you have to do what's best for you. And I think, yeah, I think people in abusive situations really need to be reminded of that. It's not easy
1: absolutely and i think that's that's and that's where it's very important to have accessible um you know uh, mental health care because that's usually where you find the answer it's not going to be in a doctor's office who's you know fixing your leg it's somebody who's there to handle the mental health issues that you're going through because you're in an un- unimaginable situation yeah. so once again yeah. the word and un- unprecedented bandied around like <laughs> it's you know the headline of today but the truth is if you find find yourself in a really difficult situation of uh, reach, reach almost every community i know does have resources for women and men who are um in circumstances of abuse but you do have to take the power in your hands and seek out you know help and decide that it's going to yeah. change moving forward um you know yeah. and Definitely. So with that said, Rania, where, are there resources that people can access a, specifically for COVID or, you know, for radical acceptance, as we were talking about? Are there resources that people can access that you um, recommend that they read or listen to um, just to kind of get more acquainted with the concept as we try and figure out the post-pandemic world? Definitely. There's
2: also like Russ Harris, um, the father of ACT, as they say, um, he kind of came up with a resource about um, facing COVID. And Mm -hmm. um, so that was like a good type of um, summary of, of how to use ACT therapy with COVID and, and it is a lot of that. So I, I'm happy Mm -hmm. to send off a few links. If, if there's anywhere that you guys can post them, I will share them with you. And I think it would be good for folks to kind of, uh, take it upon themselves to research and read through things. Um, that's also something I'm a huge fan of is just like the information is out there. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it is challenging figuring out what, um, like what's worthy and what's not. Uh, that is a, the struggle with information just being all out there. Um, mm-hmm. but, but there are, there are things out there that you can read. There's YouTube videos. I'm a huge fan of YouTube videos for those who don't enjoy reading because let's be yes. a real. There's a, there's <laughs> a lot of folks who are like, I don't want to read this. Like, this is way too much. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they struggle with like dyslexia or mm-hmm. whatever it is, ADHD, what have you. So I do think YouTube videos are a good way to go. And there's um it's just making sure that you're clicking on you know the appropriate um links and and content mm-hmm. that's legitimate and it's not just like made up from somebody who's uh from the side of the street as they say
1: yeah, some, guy. Some, some guy some guy some says. rando some rando <laughs> yeah. so yeah no, i'm definitely happy to please share those share links. that yes please yeah. i shout
0: and i and i know that for for the UAE there is the um there are resources like the the Dubai Foundation for Women and Children, where yes. they have hotlines that people could reach out to as well. Here, um, so you know, and they, and from what I've seen and uh, read around, is that they have um, quite discreet processes to help protect people, which, which you need because what will the people it,
1: think? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Right. right but we yeah, need exactly. to get away from that we need to fight right. the whole we
0: concept do. of yeah. what people think let's just put it in the light yeah let's just put it
1: in the light like i'm like yeah. let's just it's, let's it's,
0: just it's the discrete processes for what the people think but also i think within that situation itself like how do you how do you complain but then not be fearful for your life and you know trying to deal with for that sure. well, until you're actually out of the situation um so these systems, Alhamdulillah, these systems we've got here for sure are are great. Uh, but definitely in the resources you yeah, have, please share those. And absolutely, we'll do our best to you know we'll add it to the show notes and make sure that it's all. We'll push it out on social as well and kind of just connect and link it to the people so they can check it out.
2: Absolutely, and I just want to also mention just so that because it is kind of important for mental health is to kind mm-hmm. of be present in the moment and practicing mindfulness. Because I know we didn't mm-hmm. get to touch on that
1: whole lot, but um, I do want to stress the importance oh, of let's it, it. let's do Let's go into like, it. Can, yeah. I, can we talk about it? Because I think it will be helpful to a lot of people. Um, mindfulness and the practice of it seems to be the hot kind of trending word for get yourself calm right now. Um, Mm -hmm. It seems, yes. So I would like to understand your perspective on mindfulness and how you recommend people, you know, practice presence in the now and not the second before or the second after. Right. And so like, to me, that's
2: one of them. Also, it's also another skill where you kind of have to work at every day. It's almost like everything in our lives is, we we really have to be active participants in our own lives and not just like allow for life to just haphazardly happen to us right and mm-hmm. so with mindfulness and grounding yourself in in the moment where it's like i am co- i'm conscious of the things that are taking place i'm conscious of my being i am conscious of the things that are surrounding me of the things that i'm hearing of the things that i'm seeing and you would need to In order to achieve mindfulness, which is well rooted in many religious practices, Buddhism, Islam, Christianity, the the works like it is um, cultural, Mm -hmm. culturally rooted. We just never mastered it, sadly. Mm -hmm. And so uh, because it's we're just expecting for it to happen. So how often do you walk around and think about the items that you're touching? Maybe less so with COVID now, we're not touching a whole lot. But I'm not we're... touching
1: anything. Right.
2: <laughs> but it's like the keyboard, for example, how does that yes. feel? Like how how conscious are you? Because we often go through life and it's like we can't even describe certain things that we might be using every day because we're so yes. absent. Yeah. And so starting with little things where it's like, I'm I'm holding my cell phone, like this feels a little rugged. This is, it doesn't smell. It looks pink. And it's just like really analyzing um, the objects that surround you, the feelings. How am I feeling in this moment? Oh, how am I feeling in this conversation with the Dukan family? And it's like, oh, like this is, this is a great conversation. This is, this, these are the emotions that I'm experiencing. Um, and so just like trying to practice like grounding um, mm-hmm. techniques where you're able to, for example, name five things that you can see, um, name four things that you can uh, touch, name um, three things that you can hear, name two things that you can smell, name one thing that you can taste. These kind of will bring Mm. you right back into Mm -hmm. the moment. Name five colors that I can see right now, like black, gray, blue, um, copper, pink. And so I'm here. I'm not where um, I was yesterday thinking about the client that was x y and z having a fit or what have you or i'm not worrying about the future where it's like mm-hmm. what's gonna happen um if whatever and so that kind of brings you back to the moment and it's just like finding those techniques laying down on the floor and just um yeah you know, having a body scan, how is my finger feeling right now? How is my back feeling? How is it? It centers you, it grounds you, it puts you in the present. Um, how often do we cook? And we're like, we're just doing it to do it. We're not even paying attention to the smells that are coming out of our cooking and um, how uh, the rice is feeling or how... If that makes sense. Like, it's like, we do a lot of things that are just
0: absent,
2: just absent. We're not, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and if you're going to want to get better, you're going to have to know what you're feeling right now in the moment. And it's learning yourself. Oh, this, um, this rug doesn't really feel so nice. And I never noticed it, for example. And so, and so it's just learning Mm -hmm. With with mindfulness, you you really start learning more about yourself, and it kind of turns yes. that lens inward about your feelings. That's
0: a great practice about the
2: things that yes, mm-hmm. and so we don't we don't do that enough, but I think
1: we ought to. Yeah, I definitely do. I think we ought to um mm-hmm. are there any resources that so you just mentioned a few exercises that people can do are there guided mindfulness resources that people can access do you have any of those that you I can share with, with us Absol- absolutely i have a few that i'll just send your way and you guys can share it with the dipcan listeners <laughs> i think that would be wonderful definitely. um and i think you know what we'll definitely do is make sure people can reach out to you and uh you know yes, get please. help if they need it but overall, I do think the practice of mindfulness is a really wonderful way to kind of end, you know, um, our conversation because I do deeply feel that at the moment, the only thing we have is right now. I don't know what, okay. what I thought I knew doesn't matter and what's going to be the future is still really untold. So all I know is this singular moment and that's all that matters right now. And I think that's yeah. really, yeah, I have really I enjoyed agree. um. Your wisdom and your deep emotional intelligence—how wonderful it is to, you know, be in that presence. Thank you very much for your time, Rania. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you, thank you Rania. Thank you, Ot. This has been a pleasure and an honor to be in your presence. I appreciate you. Both. Oh,
0: thank you. Definitely been you. been a real pleasure now for us. Like, and I've learned a lot as well, which is always, I think, uh, is a great way to come into and. Finish a session is that okay? What are we looking <laughs> yeah. at from this and what am I learning? And I feel like, you know, this was definitely one of those top ones. So thank you so much for that.
1: Thanks. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Appreciate it.
2: You guys have a good one. <laughs> Sadam.